there tonight. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter and chapter number 5 there tonight. The book of 1 Peter and chapter number 5. And if you would, when you find your place, if you would, say it in reverence to the reading of the Word of God there tonight. 1 Peter chapter number 5, we'll start reading verse number 1 to get our context there. <clears throat> and the Word says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We'd like to focus in on the familiar verse, verse number 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. For just a few minutes tonight, as the Lord allows us there, as we think about your adversary, the devil. Let's pray. I'm most kind and gracious and dear Heavenly Father, the Lord, we thank you once again for the privilege, Lord, that we have to be gathered back in your house here tonight. Father, we thank you for all the many blessings, dear Lord, and thank you most of all for salvation. Lord, forgive us for times we have failed you. Forgive us for our sins. Take the reading of your word here tonight. Bless it and use it as you see fit. Lord, just take the reins of the service, dear God. Let all things be done according to thy will. And Father, be careful to give the praise and the glory and honor for all things, for it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated there tonight. Many years ago, back in the middle of the 1940s, about 43 and 44, was a dark time in the history of the world. Right in the middle of World War II, there was a time in which the tide had started to begin to turn a little bit, but it was still far from an uncertain time and a place. It had come a day whenever an English farmer got up and went out into the countryside. And from a distance, he looked out and he could see that sometime over the night, a column of Sherman tanks had come along and parked in his field. He also noticed that one of his bulls had noticed the American tanks and was eyeing on one of them very warily. Suddenly, the bull lunged at that tank that was there. The farmer braced himself from the side of one of his prized bovines, cracking its skull against armor plating. The bull struck the tank at top speed, and with a lazy hiss of air, the Sherman deflated into a pile of olive drab rubber sheeting. The bull and the farmer had stumbled onto one of the most elaborate deceptions in the history of warfare, the creation of a phantom army to divert attention from the real allied army poised to invade France in the spring of 1944. It was known as Operation Fortitude, and it was placed under the command of General George S. Patton prior to the invasion of D-Day. It's still retained in the history books still today as one of the greatest efforts of deception and diversion at that time in history. 
And may I say to you tonight that there is also a battle that is being fought. We know you say, of course we know there's battles being fought. There's still the war on terror. There's still been some fights happening around Syria. We know about the war in Ukraine. There's another battle that's raging there tonight. And it's a battle of spiritual warfare. And much more than the freedoms that you and I enjoy tonight, there is much more on the line than that. There is a battle and there is a fight over the focus of man's souls. There is a spiritual battle in the devil. Your adversary, the devil, is a master of deception. He's a master of lies. He's a master of many things, master of sin and many things. He tries to go out and he's going to fight against you. If we're going to be a child of God there tonight, we have to understand that we're also a soldier in that battle that's taking place. Just like then that it was a feat of military intelligence that they were able to fool the Germans that were there. They would draw attention away and help contribute toward the victory that God allowed to happen. It's still a miracle that many things that took place during that war. You can't tell me that God wasn't on the side of many of those men that were leading those that were there. But even during that time, intelligence was an important thing. They needed to know where the enemy was. They wanted to know what the makeup was. They wanted to know what kind of tanks they had. They wanted to know what kind of airplanes they were going to be going up against. That way they knew that they could be prepared for the fight as well. If you and I want to be victorious in the battles in this life and the battles that set before us, we also need to understand that we have a very real and a very dangerous enemy. We saw in the scripture there tonight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about, as there's a ruined lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible makes it clear that it is your adversary. He brings it down there tonight on the personal level. Yes, he is an adversary to Christ. Yes, he is an adversary to God. Yes, he is an adversary to the church, but he is also an adversary to you there as well. And if we're going to understand and be successful in this spiritual battle and the spiritual war that is to be fought there on a daily basis as we go this Christian life, we need to understand our enemy. The book of 1 John, chapter number 3, and verse number 8 says this, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. First there tonight, we've got just a few points, and they all start with the letter E. What you notice there tonight, the devil exists. You may say, well, hey, we know that. That seems to be a pretty given point. But there's a world out there that wants to deny that he's in existence. Just as much as they want to deny that there is a God in heaven, they'll deny that there is a devil. About this time of year, Halloween is coming up, and it's not uncommon to go out and find a costume that wants to portray the devil as somebody that walks around with a forked tail and horns and carries a pitchfork. I remember growing up, you would see some cartoons. They would probably try to portray the devil as that. They would almost try to pass him off as somebody that was not really, that was going to be real, try to pass him off as a myth, try to pass him off as somebody that was not dangerous, somebody that could even be a friend. He is running a deception campaign tonight for the hearts and the minds of mankind. It's still there. We know the Bible proves his existence. We read about it. We know that Christ spoke of him. So did Paul and Peter. We saw here that John also mentioned there the devil. You find that he appears in the book of Job whenever it came the time that the sons of God came before the devil came in also. And we know what took place in the exchange that was there. He is present in scripture and he's just as real there to, today as he was at that point in time there. You and I also know there's another way he exists. Experience a test that there is a devil. Does a desire and impulse to do evil come from God? No, it is from the devil. All Christians, we have the continuous fight against that evil that's there. You've all heard the phrase, I'm sure, that said, the devil made me do it. 
Oftentimes, that can be very true, but he didn't make you to do anything. If you're a child of God, you had a choice to listen to that or a choice to fight against it. He's very sly. He's very subtle in the things that he does. He's not going to be an apparent person carrying around that pitchfork, carrying around those horns like the world says, but he's someone who's going to come in and sneak in at the least opportunity that he sees there. So we see tonight the devil exists. Also notice the essence of the devil. He is a person. In John 3, 8, as we read there, read it once more. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. We see there that he says that he sinned and he sinned from the very beginning. A person can sin. Now, he may not have a body like you and I think of, but we know that he is a spirit. Second Corinthians 11 and verse 4 says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. That's a far cry from that figure the world would have you believe, isn't it? says he's an angel of light. He doesn't always make himself apparent that he is who he is. He may come along and seem like he's going to be your friend. He may come along and seem like he's going to be someone to lead you in the right direction when in fact he's got an ulterior motive that's there. We know also in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 and 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Boy, he's got influence, don't he? Boy, you don't have to look far to see some of that there tonight. I think it's been mentioned earlier, we think about you know, the election things that's coming up and also seeing many of the signs that's out there. And not going to get political tonight, but there's a lot at stake when it comes to morals in this nation. There's a lot at stake whenever it comes to making a stand for God as we see there, whether it be the lives of the unborn, whether it be taking a stand against homosexuality, there's so many things that are out there that he's got an influence that's in. And it's amazing how almost every single day, just when you think you've heard of everything, or whether you've seen everything, you see just even more of the sin and the vileness that is coming out that man is creating. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. They didn't want to retain God in his knowledge, and he said, all right, here it is. We're beginning to see the fruits of the sin that's there. It's permeated and it's everywhere. He's got some breach, got some influence elsewhere. He can look through history. You can look, as we mentioned briefly, talking about World War II there in the beginning. The atrocities, the great loss of life that was there. The evilness that was there. I would not doubt it if some of those leaders during that great conflict when so much was done and so much destruction, so much loss of life, I would not doubt if some of those leaders were not possessed by a devil, if not the devil. There was great wickedness through that time. He has got influence that stretches across a long place. We see there against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, of the darkness of this world and against spiritual weakness in high places. There's weakness that's all around. I see he's a person, it's part of his essence. But also notice that he is a being of great power and authority. He has a strong personality. You know, you and I can't fight him alone. I never ever forgot what pastor preached on just a few weeks ago and he made that comment and he mentioned and said, don't ask to put the devil behind you. It's the worst place he could be. And it is, and we don't want him anywhere near us because it's not with our own strength that you and I are going to be able to resist him. It's going to have to resist him through the strength of God that we've got there. We must not underestimate him. But I'm also thankful tonight, we also don't need to overestimate him. He's limited in his power. First John 4, 4, Year of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The devil is mighty, but I'm thankful tonight that you and I serve a Savior and a God that is almighty. 
He may have some power. He may have some influence, but it can only go so far because you and I worship and serve a God there tonight who is supreme and sits upon the throne and all things are within his power, all things are within his grasp. He may look to the, to the governmental institutions, whether it be in the federal level, the state level. He may look to the United Nations. He may look at the leaders in this world and think that, man, things look going to be so dark. The news is full of things, you know, don't know what's going to happen in this part of the world or that part of the world. And he'll try to stir some fear in you, try to discourage you a little bit. You think the devil's not behind that? But I'm thankful that we keep our eyes on Jesus, the one who is supreme and still in control. You and I know exactly what's going to take place. Don't even be worried about the affairs of this life, but let him take all control of it. Romans 8.31 furthermore says this, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? There's nobody that's going to be able to stand against God during any point in time in this history and during any point in time in this life. He is supreme. You and I know how it's going to end. You can flip over to the book in Revelation. We know how it's going to take place. He has got all authority in all things on this earth. We also see he's part of his essence. He's got great power and authority. But I also notice he's got some dignity of his position as well. In Jude, verse number 9 says, Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil... He disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Michael decided he was going to that point in time that he wasn't going to go out and try to fight there, but he said, Come out and say it again. The Lord rebuked thee. Michael understood they had a position. Michael understood they had some power. And that was going to be through the strength and the authority of the Lord that the devil was going to be rebuked. You and I should also learn likewise by the example of him there tonight as well. Also notice about his essence, he is a prince. Of this world. John 14, verse number 30 says this Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. It don't take much when you look around to see what all he rules. There is, at any point in time, they'll tell you that there are about 60 armed conflicts taking place across this earth at any given time. I know we hear about some of the big ones in the news, but we don't always hear about what we may consider border skirmishes or conflicts, whether it be in Africa or Southeast Asia. There's even been conflicts that's happened in the Philistines with some that's there. There's, there is warfare all across the earth. You look across the news, it seems like every other day you're hearing about so many drugs being seized at the border. Look all across the news and it seems like you're hearing about another mass killing somewhere, whether it be in the United States or whether it be abroad. It don't take far to look and you can see the evilness there and see the things that he is in control and see the things that he is sending forth that's there. He's got some power. He's got some things there. But again, I'm thankful that he is living his power and you and I serve a God that's able to overcome anything that he can throw at us. Again, thinking about our enemy, the adversary of the devil, also notice the ethos of the devil. That is, thinking about his nature. First off, we notice he is wicked. He is the opposite of God's holiness. We saw there in the book of 1 John, in chapter 3, verse 8, He that commits sin is to the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. Anytime you see an interaction with devil, with the Satan and with the devil in Scripture, it's always associated with some type of sin that's there. It's always associated with him trying to go against the plan of God. Look back in the Garden of Eden. Look forward and you can see his dealings and many times through the Old Testament. Anytime that you see in the scripture, I had a Bible teacher that mentioned this to me, where you see it mentioned the sons of Belial, you need to watch out. That is the wicked crowd that's going to be there. That's those that have got that influence that's there. It's marked in scripture. He is the wicked one, the opposite of God's holiness. Again, you notice he is the original sinner. We read that in the verse there. From him comes sin. Sin is in our flesh. 
We know that all men have sinful flesh. So how do you know? You can look at the book of Romans, chapter 5, and verse number 12. Wherefore is but one man sin and into the world of death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You and I are still bound by the same robe of flesh that was there in Adam. Also look in Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. It said, Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. That chapter was always amazing to me. Here I'm thinking about what would be the greatest, I believe the greatest missionary that ever walked upon this earth, that God used one of the apostles, the apostle Paul, that he endured many things for the cause of Christ. Yet here he is saying and talking about the struggle that he has with his own sinful flesh that he had that was there. You and I have got a battle that takes place every single day, if nothing else, with our own selves. There's a preacher who used to get up every morning you know, when, one of the first things you do when you get up usually is to go and you look in the mirror and see what you need to do about fixing your hair and see what you need to do about trying to get groomed to get cleaned up for the day. And he would always look at himself in the mirror and say, all right, what are you up to today? So oftentimes we have to have that same attitude because a lot of times we're our own worst enemy. A lot of times that sinful flesh you and I live in will drag us down if we aren't careful there. It's a battle. It's a fight that you and I have to fight every single day that we see there. Also notice the effort of the devil. Our adversary has got strategies, he's got machinations, he's got ways he's going to try to bring you down. Ways he's going to try to fight you. First off, we think about he lies to man. John 8, verse number 44. There's pleasure in sin for a season. We know that there's a price to pay. He lies about the, about the pleasure of sin. We think about Moses back in the Old Testament. Thinking about what the Bible said about him. said he chose to endure the affliction of his people rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He knew that there was going to be a price to pay there. The devil, he'll try to whisper to you saying, it's not going to be so bad. It's all right. You can go out and you can do that. Sometimes he'll try to lead you in with something small. He won't try to lead you in with something that's great and big and obviously that you and I are going to be like, oh no, I'm not going to go to that extreme. No, he starts you off with one little step. One little sin right there and then you know what? You start to tolerate it. You start to get hardened up to it and then he throws you another big one. And then he starts throwing you more lies and temptations out there. And before you know it, you're at the very big thing that you said that you wouldn't do. He lies to man. He tries to draw a man away. And if we're not careful there tonight, he'll do the same thing to you. You may say, oh, it never happened to me. Oh, he'll never target me. If you're going to purpose in your heart there that you're going to serve God, there is going to be a target on your back. He's going to do what he can to try to defeat you. We have to be, as we saw in our main scripture, be sober, be vigilant. He is looking for the opportunity to take you down. Notice he also tempts man to sin. The Garden of Eden, he tempted Eve. We notice he also tempted Christ when he was in the wilderness. If you used to look in the book of 1 John chapter number 2 and verse 16, it said, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Three times, three ways. That he spoke to Eve and what it is talked about Eve was saying there. We don't know what fruit it was, but it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one tree that God said, don't touch that one. Don't go to it. You can have everything else that's in the garden, but do not touch that tree. That one's for me. That old serpent, the devil, that old rascal. He came in there and began to tempt her and she saw it. She said it looked good to the eye. And she saw that it was good for food, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. He said it was like to be able to make one wise. That's also the pride of life. Three arrows the devil has got in his quiver that he'll throw at you try to get you down. 
Whenever Christ was tempted in the wilderness, and what was the first thing that he said? He talked about being the stones to be made bread. And he continued down, eventually took him up upon the temple and said, I'll give all that to you. First of all, all that was the Lord's to begin with anyway. It wasn't even the devil's to give. But he still tried to do it there. He tried to tempt Christ. And we notice, if you was to go back and you look at that, we won't tonight for time's sake, but you'll find that when the devil was tempting Christ, he took scripture and he mixed it with some lie. He'll take a little bit of truth to try to like take you along and he'll mix it with some of the lie to draw you in that's there. He's someone that's subtle. He's someone that's got a strategy. He's got something that he's going to try to go after you with as well. He's also the author of false views, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. It's amazing to see the different world views that's out there tonight. And to see the different ways that people think about things. I'm, I'm thankful that my parents sacrificed a lot so I could go to a Christian school. I was able to have that upbringing. I was raised in church. I didn't, I didn't get saved when I was about 13, but I still had that foundation that was there. I knew a lot of head knowledge, and then I was able to have some heart knowledge after I got saved. And during that time, I, I learned how to look at one thing that began to shape my worldview and how do you look at things. And if you're a Christian tonight, we look at things in the world through the lens of this right here. We look at what God has said in His Word. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. Look at it that way. But there's a world out there, and the Scripture itself even says that He has blinded them. He's given them a different worldview, given them a different way to look at things. I remember that it wasn't long after I was saved. I was just a teenager, and I was doing odd jobs for a lady that also mowed some yards for her, like many teenage boys do. And she happened to have a handyman come over that day, and he sometimes would come around and do a few things from time to time. And I remember... He knew that I was a Christian. I'm not sure how he knew it. It was because of my dad being a preacher and I got to church. But he began to talk to me about it. He began to say, well, what happens if you're not saved? And of course, me being the young Christian and not being very real versed, I was trying to do what I could to try to answer his questions and try to be a witness to him. But I learned that I wasn't fully prepared for the things he was going to throw at me. He began to say, I think hell is going to be a state of mind. See, I don't think you actually could go there. And I began to think to myself, Lord, I've never heard of anything like this. Where is he going? Why is he thinking about that? And it was something I was unprepared for. That stuck with me ever since to try to study and try to know and try to be prepared and trust the Lord to have an answer for those difficult questions, different things come that way. But I say this there tonight as an example for the different things that you'll encounter out there. The devil is trying to lead people astray in many different directions. And he's also trying to draw the Christians away into many different directions. Not to, to keep from following Christ, to keep from following God and following the path that he set before them. And he's trying to draw them away and give them a distraction. I remember listening to Brother Ralph Sexton speaking one time about how he went over into Israel in one of the lands that he, that he visited there and continues to take the trip. I'm not sure if they still do or not. But he mentioned that they were driving along the bus and he happened to notice that there come a group of shepherds and all the sheep ride along. And he said, hey, stop the bus, hold on. He wanted to get out for a minute. He got out and began to look at all those sheep. And he thought, man, I don't have nothing on me. He said, wait, I've got some Skittles. So he pulled out some Skittles and went along. And he tried to get them sheep to come by and tried to look at those Skittles and different things that's there. None of them would come to him. They kind of said, looked at him kind of funny and they would run off. And he said they noticed that each shepherd, all these sheep were all mixed together. But each shepherd had a certain call that they called their sheep. You know what those sheep would do? The sheep that belonged to this shepherd went with that one. The other shepherd called, that sheep went with that one. And one by one, each flock of sheep went off to be with their shepherd that was there. They weren't distracted by the skittles that were there at his hand, but they knew the voice of their master. The devil there tonight, he's got some skittles he'll try to distract you with. 
He's got some skittles he'll try to distract your children with. He's got something he's trying to draw your attention away to try to keep you distracted from following the master. We're a child of God. We need to always be listening and willing to hear that voice that he's had there and to listen to his call and to follow him despite the distractions that the devil is throwing out there. Also, let's notice there tonight, this is my favorite part. I don't like to talk about the devil, but this right here I like. The expectation of the devil. The book of Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. He's an adversary to you and I, but he also knows his days are numbered. He knows exactly how it's going to end. He knows how the book's going to end. And I don't know about y'all, but it seems like lately that he's been fighting more and more and harder and harder. And I don't know if y'all have felt that way, but it seems like he's trying to discourage you every step of the way. He's trying to throw something in your path. He's trying to throw a stumbling block that's out there for you. He is gunning for you. He's gunning for your family. He's gunning for your church. He's gunning for this nation. He knows his time is short, and I believe as the time draws nigh, and as it draws close to the imminent return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he's going to continue to fight harder and harder because he wants to take as many down with him as he can. He don't have to have the fight out in the bars, right in the drug houses or all those other places. He's already, we saw the scripture, he's got them blinded to the things that's there. But you know where he is going to fight? He's going to try to fight to keep you from being the witness that God wants you to be. He's going to try to keep you discouraged, downtrodden, and defeated to keep you from being able to serve God to the best of our ability. He's going to fight. He's going to fight hard. You know, but I'm thankful. Whenever God was, Christ was talking, he said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me ask you something here tonight. You ever seen gates move? Sure, they open and close, but I never have seen them get up and move from one place to the other. You say, what does that have to mean? I believe that means that you and I should be on the offensive rather than on the defensive. That gates of hell should not prevail against it. He already knows that he can't get the victory. We already know how this book is going to end. We know that's book of Ephesians chapter number 6. I'm going to turn over there for just a moment. This is a familiar passage of scripture. I believe we need to read it there tonight. Ephesians chapter number 6. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number 6. And verse number 10 said, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong who? In the Lord and in the power of His might. Not your own, but be strong in His. This brings us in to the last part there tonight. You and I need to enact victory over the devil. He's our adversary. He's someone that's going to fight you tooth and nail. But we've got a responsibility to fight. To put on the whole armor of God. Verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Proving all, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We see there tonight that he has given us a clear message that you and I need to be prepared to fight. 
Whenever a soldier nowadays goes into battle, they don't go out there with just carrying the minimal gear. No, they go out there fully decked out with everything they need. Here we see the analogy of a soldier back in the day, you know, getting the shield and the sword, put on their helmet, get everything that's there. Our modern day soldiers go out. They may not have the same thing, but they still take on their pack. They'll take their firearm. They'll take their ammunition. They'll take their means to communicate. Night vision goggles, they got it. They'll take everything that they can that they believe they will need to accomplish victory upon their mission. You and I need to do the same thing. Whenever it comes to fighting the battles, whenever it comes to standing against our adversary, the devil, you and I need to be prepared. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Those soldiers train day in and day out. They do drills. They know how to use their equipment without even thinking about it. You and I ought to be the same way. Whenever it comes, whenever Christ stood against the devil in the wilderness that was there, what did he do each and every time? Whenever he responded, the first things he said was, It is written. He took the word of God and he was ready to slash back. We know that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to divide and sunder of the soul and spirit and certain of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We think about the word of God there now as being something that is powerful. It is a weapon that's more powerful than any of the nuclear arsenal upon this earth, more powerful than all the tanks is going to be combined there. It is the indisputable, inerrant, infallible word of God the final authority that's there. We need to take the word of God and be prepared. We also notice James chapter 4 and verse number 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Notice the first part of that verse said, Submit yourselves therefore to God. You and I need to be prepared. We also need to submit to the strength of God as well. We saw it in Ephesians here. First part of the verse, chapter verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Oh, I'm thankful that you and I don't have to fight the battles in our own strength. I'd fall flat on my face. I still fall flat on my face because I'm still sinful flesh. I'm still a sinful man. Oh, but I'm thankful that with the power of God and in His strength, if we submit ourselves to Him, as preacher preached this morning, just go with Jesus. If we go with Him, He'll see you through and He'll give you the victory in whatever fight and whatever battle that you've got that you're going through and that you're ever going to face. We need to put our strength in Him and enact victory over our adversary. We need to also store up God's Word and promises in our hearts. We saw that it was written there in Matthew chapter 4. We need to claim Jesus' strength, as we mentioned there, already as our own. If you and I, if we're going to serve God, we got a target on our back. Our families is going to be a target. Your marriages is going to be a target. Your church is going to be a target. If you decide you're going to take a stand, all through Scripture you will find that God raised men and women, those that were going to be His to stand and to do a great and mighty work for Him. Oftentimes they found opposition. Think about Nehemiah. We can think about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Think about even Noah during his day. All those ones that were there, they were going to face opposition. Their same adversary that they had is an adversary that's present still today. He's looking to fight you. What's the devil robbing you of? Is he robbing you of your peace? Of your joy? Is he robbing you of the ability to be able to go out and have the victory in your day-to-day life, in your day-to-day fight? That's what his goal is. He's going to try to get you down. Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking him and may devour. He's looking for the opportunity when you drop your guard. And he's going to try to come charging in and try to take you down. Is he getting the victory over you? We need to place our faith in Jesus. 
in His strength, in the tools that He has given us, not in our own abilities, not in trying to get out of the situation ourselves, but in what He has given to us. He's already given the stuff that we need to have the victory. Are we exercising it? Are we praying daily? Are we studying His Word so whenever He begins to throw the things at us, we can say it is written? Or have we let down our guard? We're letting the devil begin to have the victory in our life there tonight. But Seth, would you come there tonight? Maybe the Lord's spoken to you. Maybe the Lord has got somebody upon your heart that you know of that is facing a battle. Maybe you know someone that's been losing a battle. Maybe you know someone that's a prodigal that needs to come back and know him. Every head about every eye closed there tonight, the Lord's spoken to you. Would you just come to this altar tonight? Maybe you're going through a battle yourself. Maybe you need to pray for the battles that's ahead. Maybe you just want to put your faith wholly in him that God will give you the victory in whatever you're going to face. We can't do it of our own strength. We can't do it of our own power. Oh, but we can do it in the strength that God is going to give to us. You and I have an adversary. Oh, but he has given us the ability to have victory over that adversary. <coughs> Father God, we thank you there tonight and once more oh, for the privilege that we have to be in your house there tonight. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that you are still upon the throne. Lord, that you are sovereign. Lord, that you are in control. Lord, we're thankful for salvation. Thankful for the blood of your Son, dear God. Lord, forgive us for the times we have failed you. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've tried to do things in our own strength and in our own power. God, help us to put our strength in you. Lord, submit ourselves before you. Humble ourselves before you. Place our faith in your strength and in your power and in the tools that you've given to us. Lord, help us to stand in this evil day. Lord, and having done all to stand, dear God, I pray that you would help us, dear Lord, to above stand against the evilness that we see in this world today. Lord, be with us as in our own spiritual walks and our own spiritual lives. Lord, help us, dear Lord, in our families. Help us, dear Lord, to put a hedge of protection about them. Lord, bless the church tonight. Lord, the churches all across the land. Lord, be with your preachers, your men, the missionaries, the Sunday school teachers, the deacons, all those that are taking positions of leadership to do thy will and to do what you would have them to do. Lord, put a special touch upon them. Dear Lord, guide them, dear Lord. Lead them. Give them the victory over the adversary in all things. And Father, we thank you for everything that you have done for us, what you are currently doing, and what you promised you shall do for us. Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for everything that you do. In Jesus' name we do ask and pray. Amen and amen. Before we close out there tonight, of course, Pastor, he wanted to be here tonight, but he wasn't able to be. He's hurting pretty bad. But I fully think that those that can and will, what we have in our special altar of prayer there tonight for him. Those that are gathered for him, that God would just give him a special touch and touch his body there. Those that can and will, would gather here in the altar there tonight. Let's have a special altar of prayer and offer him up before the Lord there tonight. <clears throat> Brother Tony, would you care to lead us in the Lord of prayer there tonight? <clears throat>
Lord, just to bless and to praise your holy name, Lord. A people that's so undeserving, but you loved us, Lord. And you called us worthy to call on our nerves. We can call on your name and you saved us, Lord. We thank you for that. But Lord, we come for you and ask a special request, Lord. Our pastors are hurting. Our pastor needs help, Lord. I pray you touch his body, Lord. Just do something special for him, Lord. Just hold him close and sing him a lullaby, Lord, and ease his pain. And we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for all you've done. We thank you for all that you're going to do. I pray your blessing on this church, blessing on each one. I pray safety on each one as they go home this evening, Lord. Oh, we thank you this evening, Lord. Can't thank you enough. Can't praise you enough. But blessed be your holy name. Lord, we ask all these sweet things in your sweet, wonderful, beautiful name. In Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen.